the brilliance of Fanta is you never know. He just appears. Ah. Fanta. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Adon Dad Podcast. I'm Tyler, joined tonight by Peter Bard. What's up? I don't know. Mega Bard. Hello. Hello. And Russ Steinberg. Hi, Tyler. Hi. And Kevin Meacham. Hi, Russ. Hi. Hi. Oh. We don't have a sponsor tonight, so we can skip this part. Although, I'm wearing a home field shirt. Meach is not. I'm wearing 19.9, the uh, Big East tournament one. I'm pretty ah, sure this is home No, Meach, you're pulling a Megan. Is this 19.9? That's a 19.9 shirt, which I've is done fantastic. That about 17 times. Yeah, 19.9.com, your home for UConn <laughs> Athletics apparel. <laughs> or homefieldapparel.com slash a dime back. I'm fairly certain the link still works. It's basketball season. They might start paying us again. Our contract just went through the last basketball season. Speaking of it's basketball season. Russ, outstanding. Great job. (laughs) This is our season preview podcast. So I I know last year we kind of went like player by player, uh, which I feel like we could do again. But since we always just get sidetracked anyways, I didn't know if there was some other way anyone felt like starting. Any big picture things you're looking forward to or... Fans in outlook. I know. Looking forward to it not being football season. Well, generally, fair enough. <laughs> Russ, I had that exact same thought today. I was I was watching the latest like uh, practice posts, and I was looking at guys yeah. like you know Andre Jackson and you know the freshman coming in. Thick, you know, like Andre Jackson, who's like the insane explosive athlete, has not gotten to play in front of any fans. You know, UConn mm-hmm. fans. I, I will say I'm also very looking forward to like Isaiah Whaley getting his like appropriate send-off like a real senior night yeah, for those for guys mm-hmm. like yeah, they really deserve too. it and they're gonna get it and i'm happy for them hey so whaley is basically getting his fifth full season are mm-hmm. there any like weird yukon records that he's sneaking up on just by a product of being around for that long that's a great he only played about 47 minutes his sophomore year <laughs> yeah, he, yeah might... he basically redshirted that one year right yeah, he played 80, 83 to total that. minutes. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a very unusual career though, because you know he played a little as a freshman, and then he didn't really play as a sophomore, and then he starts playing like halfway through his junior year, and now he's going to end up being like basically a starter's career mm-hmm. because he's going to get two full seasons and then a half as, as the starting starter. power forward, and he's been great. I fucking love that dude. I yeah. really What's... he's he's gonna end up being like an all time fave for me. Just, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Aside from just like both his his post play and his posting abilities, I, I'm just he's just like a genuinely delightful dude. Uh, but I love the way he plays, and I I hope that he has added a little shooting to his uh, repertoire this year. I feel like that's the one thing that could really like super poppers. That's well, what I know... that's my big prediction for the season is it... Whaley's. I've been pushing this. Whaley's yeah. gonna take. Two and a half three pointers a game this year, and he's going to hit thirty five percent. It would be that really would be cool, cool if Willie came in as like the what was it senior year Jeff Adrian, just making fifteen sixteen footers. I'm also looking forward to all of the other coaches forgetting about how he's the returning defensive player of the year, like you know certain other people on the internet keep doing. <laughs> And just that first time they run the pick and roll and Whaley is, is just going to hop right out and snatch the ball. And I'm going to I'm going to be really happy when that happens. That's the thing. 
that's what makes him so fun. It's like not only a really good defensive player, but he's really good at defense in like an interesting way, like a way. Oh, like yeah. He's not just like, oh, he's just a dominant post center. No, he's he's a very good rim protector, but he's also this weird hybrid perimeter defender. I, I totally forgot how good he was like guarding the pick and roll until you yeah. mentioned it just now, Megan. Like he'll he come up with the... like two steals a game before anyone remembers. Like he has those like absurdly long, like go-go gadget arms. And like some unsuspecting point guard is going to come off that pick and Isaiah Whaley's going to be right there and it's going to be great. And my heart will be happy. I had forgotten how much I enjoyed the like insanely hard uh, close on the high pick and roll. Oh, mm-hmm. So good. It's, my it's, favorite thing. Although Whaley like, was so much better at it than anyone else who they would put in there. Like Carlton was too slow the, to really do the it. The cool thing now though is that if Whaley gets beat on that, you still have Sonogo in the paint. Mm-hmm. So he can and or a Whaley cook. can or a yeah. cook. So Whaley can be even more aggressive now. It's fun yeah. to have like someone on defense who is the best in the country at doing something like yeah. the beat with blocking shots. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen a post guy like a six nine six ten guy who can move his feet that way twenty five feet from the basket. It's insane. I love it. I remember watching it start happening last year, and it was just like. Oh, that's a nice play. Oh, that's a nice play. Oh, he does this constantly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> for like the first few weeks of the season before I realized that he's apparently just really good at this thing that I never, it never really occurred to me was like a, a thing that you would be able to do regularly. It, it always cracks me up when they like come around and he's already got his hand on the ball and they like don't even know it's happening. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, it's gone. And he's and he's such like a strong passer too. Like he just has so many great skills, and I think he's going to be a re- really valuable piece on this team because he can kind of like do a lot of things from a lot of different places, and he gives you a lot of options for a team that like is maybe a little late on guard play, and could really use another facilitator. And I think he could really you know step into that that role as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to Isaiah Whaley season. Is he our best overall player this year? Mm. Mm. it's such a tough question because i feel like the best version of this team has a bunch of guys playing consistently at like a moderately good level so i'm not sure we'll you know i feel like almost ideally we won't be able to tell who's among the like whaley cole martin group i guess well the difference is sonogo who i feel like if he just goes crazy he's like first team all conference might be player of the year candidate you know like he has that level i'm not sure anyone else i'm not sure anyone else has that level of ceiling right so it all kind of depends like i'm just hoping the rest of them can kind of be consistently good i don't even care if they're great well i think that the the tough part about this for me is like there are things we know this team is going to be very good at they're going to be very good at defense they're going to be very good at rim protection they're going to be very good at rebounding yeah they're gonna be really good at all three of those things and we know that what the offense is going to look like, I don't really know. Like, yeah. could be Sunogo scoring 18 points a game. I don't know. Maybe Andre Jackson is going to come back and, like, learn how to shoot a basketball. I don't know. Like, there are so many options here. Like, maybe Cole steps up. Maybe Gaffney steps up. Maybe Martin steps up. Like, there's so many dudes who Freshman. could take a step here. So, like, I don't know. I don't I, know. I think there's going to be a point, hopefully very early on in the Central Connecticut game, where we remember – how solid Sonogo was offensively for a freshman big man. Yeah. And if he can build on that as a sophomore, then I am 
feeling a lot better about this team's ability to get a basket when it needs to. I can't remember the last time we had a big guy who came in with offensive footwork like that. Yeah. Beautiful. His skill level is was very high for a freshman. And his touch around the basket is like really exceptional. He has amazing hands. Like you see some of those kids come in and it's like they're working with like bricks at the end of their arms. And he's got a beautiful touch. And, you know, assuming he can like maybe cut down on the fouls a little, stay on the floor for 30 minutes a game, then I think we're golden. I think I think he's the guy who can like really eat this season, especially in the Big East. Like, yeah, there are like some teams that have some size, but like I think he's he's going to be just fine against anybody. I just feel like his ceiling is like not quite, but pretty close to like an Elton Brand kind of guy. It's just so funny because he's such an old school kind of player. Like he he would have fit in in the old Big East like perfectly. So it's just kind of funny to like have a player like him because it's like so unusual now to have your you know scoring your best score be a post player. You know there it's always these guards and wings now scoring all your points for you and the three is so important. Like having a straight up post player be your prime scorer is just kind of a a throwback. And I'm into it. I'm here for it. It would definitely never really done that. I mean, Okafor, I guess. Kind of, but you still had but Gordon. He wasn't, yeah, Gordon he still wasn't, took yeah. the most shots, probably. Yeah. His junior year, he was the leading scorer most of the season, and that at the end of the year when he was kind of hurt, Gordon took over the lead. But Yeah, I mean, that was more like a Georgetown thing. You know, that was like Patrick Ewing, like real throwback. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love the, the depth that this team has in, in the front court defensively. My worry is what happens if Sonogo gets into foul trouble and Whaley, too, I guess. You bring in a cook or Johnson. Yeah, but as but as a cook or Springs. And well Johnson yeah, right. score. Richie Springs, wild card. Probably I not, mean, Russ, but I guess that's where like you have all those other options. So you know, even if that's the scenario that Sonogo gets taken off the court and that's when Cole and Martin have to go score, you know, six points in three yeah, minutes. Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna rely on them? I mean, no, I guess but, for this team to be any good, you're going to have to at some point. But I'm but saying it's not like they I don't would have rather other weapons. Right. If we're, And also, if we're in the position where we're relying on them because Sonogo's in like foul trouble because Sonogo is clearly the best player, then net, like that's a great place to be. Yeah. I guess that's my point. It's like if Sonogo actually can be that guy and shoot, you know, 60 plus percent from the floor and, you know, get close to a double double every game and, you know, get 20 points every, you know, couple of nights or every couple of games like that allows for Cole to not shoot great from three or Martin to miss some shots at the rim or Polly to not be on the floor because it's not be on the floor because his defense is bad. You know, like if Sonogo can just be that one consistent place to go over and over again, it lets everyone else be a little more inconsistent. I think I guess my my greater concern is that if he's not that, then it really does depend on everyone else around him being way more consistent than they were last year, which seems reasonable to me, but still worries me. Like, that's probably my biggest concern. Barton is the one whose consistency I would like to see tightened up yeah. the most. Like, from game to game, and even sometimes, like, within games, you know, he was such a streaky dude. And I think he's somebody who can be a major contributor. You know, he does a lot on defense. He can do a lot on offense, assuming he makes his layups. But... You know, I, you don't, that's another one you'd like to see, like, make a few more threes a game and, and just be a little bit more consistent on offense and not 
disappear on the glass, you know, just be a little more locked in. And, I, you know, like same with Cole, who, you know, I feel like on this season preview pod a year ago, I was saying I thought Cole would have a rough start, but it wouldn't surprise me if a year, you know, in his second year, he was like first team all conference. I don't quite think I don't hold that same expectation or, you know, that's probably not his ceiling at this point. But with both him and Martin, like, like they're coming into new leagues. Cole hadn't played in a year. Like mm-hmm. there's COVID. It's super weird. There's no fans. Like there was a lot of weird shit going on with them that they're now like a year removed from. And they're just basketball players coming back to UConn. So, like, I'm not quite sure what that ends up looking like on the court, but I'm, like, leaving myself room to be optimistic that, you know, once some of those external factors are removed and they're just more in the routine of being college basketball players, that some of those kinks will just get ironed out. I kind of throw Gaffney in that bucket, too, because I felt like he didn't make the kind of normal freshman to sophomore, you know, jump that you would expect. And I kind of always wondered how much of that was due to, like, Last season was so stop and start. There was a bunch of COVID, you know, and I don't know how, and I, you know, obviously we're not inside. I don't know how much that affected everybody, but I can see how that would have really thrown off someone's development. Um, And I wonder, like, you know, it'll be interesting to see in a more, in a less disrupted environment, how everybody copes with that. Yeah. And you got, you know, a cook now a year removed from like brutal surgery. You have Jackson coming in healthy after he missed all that time with the wrist injury last year. So, like, there's, you know, there was just so much weird shit last year. I think we were also just super happy to have basketball back that, mm-hmm. you know, we just kind of powered through and treated it like a normal season that we were watching on some level. But mm-hmm. I guess I'm curious to see what it, this team is like in a more norm, normal situation. I feel like it does it does make me uncertain about almost every single guy on the roster, basically, almost except yeah. for Whaley. Like, Whaley, to me, is just, like, a certainty and everything else is like a question mark, but the ceiling is so high that I don't know. I'm pumped. I'm optimistic. I think for the first off season in, you know, six years. I just hope I don't spend a lot of the season thinking about how good this team would have been if Buck Knight was back. Yeah. Cause I feel like that will, I will be like self-inflicted torture. And I'm I- less concerned about that. Like the last couple of times this happened and we were like, oh man, I wish Hamilton had come back. We wish Daniels had come back. Like they should have come back. We knew Book was going all year oh, long. Sure. There was never for any sure. fantasy that he was going to be back this year. So I'm hoping that I won't feel that this year. I'm so hopeful we'll- too. And I mean, I will say those those couple of, you know, summer league, There's there's been some impressive uh, playing. So I, I hope he like really gets to play in the NBA, even though it what it is with fucking Charlotte. players going to dog shit and i and like i want to love the hornets because just for 90 starter jacket reasons but like man they refuse to not be dog shit they lost by 68 tonight in the preseason I, game are you fucking absurd kidding? <laughs> they had doubled up man absurd how I, well I they were know. very bad they were not booking at all there was no booking happening no booking see this is this is what you need to know it's, don't they it's have the book a ball <laughs> one ball no book no, I mean like a, a ball human. Yes. We haven't really talked about Polly. Yeah, he's another one, mm-hmm. you know? Come in, make some threes. That'll be nice. You I have no real hand. concept for... Well, I guess it just goes back because there's so many weapons. There's so many... Like, there will always be a lot of options to try. You know, you can have... 
if Sonogo gets in foul trouble, you can you know, go to Cole, you can go to Martin, you can go to Jackson, maybe you can go to Polly, maybe you can go to Whaley, maybe you can go to Hawkins. So unless everybody sucks, on any given night, they should be able to score points. It's just how long does it take you to find the thing that works each game? Right. I have a sneaking suspicion given how good I think the defense is going to be. There's going to be there's going to be some rock fights. Like yeah. we're going to get into some rock fights this season. There's going to be some nights where like everybody's kind of cold and it's going to be like first team to 65. And that's going to suck a couple of times, but like so it'll suck less if we win those games. Yeah, I'm that's learning exactly to embrace right. it cuz I do think those are the types of games that I have a ton of faith in Hurley to win. Yeah. I'm fine with rock fights if it's because we're such a good fucking team defensively. Right. And okay, fine, we're not the greatest shooting team in the world, but if it's a low-scoring game because that's what we dictate and we win, then I'm fine. I didn't like the so-called rock fights of the AAC when it was because it's we bad really teams sucked couldn't shoot. and Tulane also really sucked. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I know we always have, I think, individually, people that were like super high on. I feel like people were high on Gaffney last year. Who uh, is there anyone that you hold unrealistic or at least on the top level expectations for versus consensus at this point? That like was I, me with Sonogo. But I think I I'm like there with Jackson. Talk this to is you why I, I bring this up. Jackson, yeah, Jackson, Jackson. Jackson would be the one, I think, because it feels like other than Sonogo, everyone else is kind of the 90% version of what they're going to be. But mm-hmm. Jackson feels like he has so much more to his game. Once he mm. figures out how to shoot the basketball, um, just because of his vision, because of his you know length on defense, um, it's really the missing piece. If he can figure out how to, you know, can thirty-two percent of his three pointers, he becomes a very, very good college basketball player. Yeah, I want to see him like driving to the hoop. You know, the, the kid has a good enough handle that he should be really working to find his own shots that way. Um. And he's so athletic, like he's so athletic. He should be able to finish around the rim and, you know, with his length and his, his jumping ability, like that should be another no brainer for him. Gaffney, I, I want him to have added like an elbow jumper to his game. Cause he can get that mid range shot pretty much anytime he wants. He just needs to be able to make that to be a useful piece, I think on the offense, but like, Everybody's got like one like one or two of those things where like if they can add that to their game, they're gonna be really good. But there's a lot of those. I also feel like I Jackson see- fouled too much. Like he's gotta like that too. Yeah, and, and this is where I was getting to the point of like, you know, I'm not quite sure what just having been through this once before is gonna do for these guys. I would assume a lot. But you know, like if he if he can be uh, there's no reason he can't be an elite level defender. And if he is, he can probably defend three positions and you know he'll he can fit into any lineup so i, I don't i'm not even sure he needs to shoot like he could probably be a 28 percent three-point shooter if he doesn't take a lot but he's gonna have, probably have to play a lot of small forward you know like in those lineups but i think there's no reason he can't be good here. at it 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 it's tough to have a wing that can't shoot yeah these days now this is one of the reasons i'm i'm on the whaley's gonna hit threes boat because we need somebody to you know neither i mean cole's cole was by the end of the season his numbers were quite good from three 
Martin was very inconsistent and ultimately didn't really take that many. Jackson was useless from three. So you need somebody else to hit some threes. I think you're going to see some lineups where Polly and Jackson are the forwards. Mm-hmm. And basically Jackson does whatever's harder on defense and Polly, you know, they hide Polly just to take threes, which might actually work. Yeah, I can see that working. You know, depending on. Jackson the, can also do that like team. point forward thing because he can bring the ball up and he can pass like he, he's he can do a lot of things depending on who you have around him. Hopefully he can he can create a situation where Cole can play off the ball a little more to get open looks because that's pro- he's probably going to be our best shooter unless mm-hmm. unless Hawkins come in comes in and is you know a a player right away. Or I mean probably. I think we all agree Jackson's the best passer on the team. Yeah. 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 All right. I think the other scenario though is you know if Polly is so consistent you can't kind of take him off the court for too long. You know, like if Polly's well, you... shooting 46, 47% from three, all of a sudden those lineups start looking a lot different. I mean, he's given us no reason to think that he can do that consistently. But he, I mean, he could. I mean, he when he gets hot, he hits everything. I mean, then when he has good games, you'll see him taking dog shit and hitting it, and it doesn't touch the rim. So, it's so yeah. <laughs> that rules so much. I just remember, I can't remember, it was like that big breakout game he had, not the one where he got hurt, but like he hit a bunch of threes, and one of them he was like dead sprint at the three-point line, just goes up, he's like full leaning forward, <laughs> awful looking shot, and just right through. I was like, oh my god, take that all day. Are, it's going to rule if this team is good. Like, we're going to remember Whaley and Polly so fondly if oh, this absolutely. team is good. Like, they're going to be folk heroes. Consider how much better that class is going to look in retrospect yeah. than the super hyped one the year before. Top five. Kevin Alley knew what he was doing. I mean, you know what? That that class, those guys all overachieved ultimately. Like Polly, Whaley, yeah. and even Carlton, all kind of overachieved in their careers. They all turned into pretty good players. Is that because Kevin Alley had a good eye, or just because it turns out Dan Hurley can coach? Well, well, both. I mean, I would have liked cool. to see Hurley coach Vance Jackson for two years. Yeah, that oh, would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, it could have been cool. Or Jawan Durham. At, or Stevie Knox. Or Jalen Adams. Yeah, Jalen. Jalen Adams is a few the one that's always going to haunt me. Yeah, I know. Me too. Vital didn't need it. Vital coached himself. <laughs> Vital was the perfect player for a bad team. Yeah, because yeah. he was like, whatever you fucking failures are doing, <laughs> I'm going to dive on the floor and take every look I can get. And you know what? That was what they needed. You no know clip I saw the other day that reminded me, it was like just the coolest thing ever was, do you remember when uh, Vital like stole the ball at half court and like got it spun around the back and threw, threw it up ahead to book the book and did a windmill? Himself. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. that was, that's one of my all-time favorite plays. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I have outsized expectations for Polly now. I felt like I was just going off the deep end. I mean, it's it's hard to see Polly as anything more than a guy who will win you a game every month and will be not super useful the rest of the time. Like, he, he is what he is athletically. Like, he's unplayable defensively if he's not scoring. I, I just don't, you know, useful player. And, and if this team's going to win, it's going to need a game from him where he just crushes it. But I, I, I'm not getting super high on, on Polly. 
it does also seem like it could go, it, you know, it could go one of two ways, either the, um, <laughs> like the three point shooting from Cole and Martin or Hawkins or, you know, even Jackson, if it's passable, just eclipses the need for Tyler Polly to really play. Or he's the only guy on the team that can make it three and they have to play him a lot. I hope it's the first one. That'd be cool. I'd yeah. like to see him get his burn, hit some big shots, and not hurt us too much and with the rest of his game. That's what I'm hoping for. He's a That's senior. Right. He's a super senior. I will always have an affinity for him. I want him to have a good season. But I wouldn't mind if Hawkins comes out and hits like 43% of his threes and plays great D. Is Hawkins supposed to be a great shooter? Yes, that's right. he, that's his primary value on offense. He's a great jump shooter, and he's a long and really skilled defender. Yeah, we really haven't talked about the freshman much. You've got you've got him, you've got Johnson, you've got Diggins, and you've got Floyd. The reclass. We got like a lot of between Diggins and Floyd. Like that does make the guard the backcourt a little more interesting. And it sounds like they're kind of I don't know. Maybe I'm reading the two leaves wrong, but it seems to me they're leaning away from the Floyd redshirt at this point. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, what it sounds, sounds like. like. If he can play, who cares? I, like we said at the time, you know, they could use that other guard. They definitely have minutes choices. for a guard. <laughs> definitely have minutes for a guard. Yeah, I just don't want him to be in like the Sailor Poffenbarger should still be in high school role of coming in and missing five threes every game. If they're well, up by 28 job. <laughs> against a conference opponent, I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any player that you think personally you're a little bit down on versus expectations? I, I think it's a cook. Thank you. That was, cook that's where I was answer. going. Yeah. yeah, that's the answer. And, and it's nothing against him whatsoever. It's right. just he hasn't played like multiple meaningful minutes in a row yeah. uh, since that Memphis game. And there's a lot of guys capable yeah, of playing those minutes who have. Yes. Uh, but I hope I'm wrong, and I would not be surprised if I am because we have seen what a cook is capable of. So if I'm he's hopeful. healthy, that kind of player as your third big is pretty good. We haven't had that kind of front court depth in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think the question is going to be like coming back from an Achilles, so much of his game is predicated on It's 20 sprints. months, though. Uh, you know, and, and I, my question, you know, I, I, and people do come back from, from their Achilles now. They certainly do. Kevin Durant. But, Brianna Stewart and Brianna Stewart, sure, but again, the two most normal, relatable examples you could possibly give to other right, basketball players, right? You know, I mean, it it is really predicated on him being able to jump high very quickly, and that is a thing that's hard to do when your Achilles is fucked up. So, not that I am wishing this on him, of course, but it it is a, a thing I am concerned about. You know, whether he comes all the way back to, you know, that electric player we saw before, and I hope I mean, he do. If you want some hope, Kevin Durant came back to employ me. Mm-hmm. So, so a cook is going to hire Russ. So a cook might hire me too. I mean, what, so not a full recovery. <laughs> we kind we kind of we kind of talked about this in Slack the other day, but like, let's let's say a cook is fully healthy. He's you know basically as athletic as he was two years ago. What does a really good season from him look like? Because I, I think we're kind, you know, some of us people in the fan base have kind of overestimated that freshman season where he was very electric on defense, obviously, but you know, not really that much of a contributor offensively. What does a really good season look like with a fully healthy a cook? 
I mean, it depends on how much he's playing, but assume, you know, there's a pretty regular front court rotation. If he can play 18 minutes a game and give you, you know, four and four and, and a block and a half, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty thrilled, especially if his shooting picks up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I would necessarily be expecting much on the offensive end, but yeah, that, that sounds about right to me. If he gets four rebounds a game, I'll be thrilled. Be great. Now, is that four and four taking into account the forty points he's going to have against Coppin State? <laughs> Outside, because the then Coppin I would State be disappointed. Game. Okay. <laughs> this might not be the right time, but can we talk about how there's no exhibition games? What's up with that? Two They're playing a couple of secret tournaments. Yeah, I, that's I, what Lakata said. I no, I saw a piece. Curly yeah. talked about that with somebody. Are they playing two? Is that They're what they said? They're playing two scrimmages. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little disappointed. I would have rather one secret scrimmage in like a charity game against UMass or Rhode Island or something. But fine. Whatever. If the scrimmage teams are good. I can't remember where I saw that. I want to say it was, it was in like definitely one in of the local. Somewhere. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if maybe like gorgeous. Current or I something. Gorgeous, I wonder maybe. if Goodman has started his list of secret scrimmages yet. Any guesses? Probably local. Probably like BC. URI? URI, Harvard. They did a scrimmage with Harvard, right? Yeah, they did one a few years ago. I'm trying to remember if that was a Hurley era. I think it was Hurley's first year. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those things that I can't get myself worked up over. Like, I don't don't care what Hurley wants to do the first two games they play. I mean, I would just rather have something I can watch. Sure. But right. ultimately, because, you know, whatever's it, best for the team. Like, it's hard to talk about these guys. You know, we're going off what we saw last year, but they're missing such an important piece. We don't know what the rotations are going to look like. We have no idea what the freshmen are going to look like against, you know, 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds. So, I mean, not a huge deal, but, like, I, I, I would like to see them before I kind of have – like, when you asked, um, like, are you significantly up or down on anybody? Like, I f- feel like I'm at where I was in March, like, Mm-hmm. Good team, good some good pieces, not enough shooting, um, you know, not a ton of ceiling for a lot of these guys, uh, other than the freshmen and Sonogo, um, to go higher than we we currently are, and that's kind of where I'm at. They do kind of have two exhibition them. games because they have Central and Coppin State to start the season, <laughs> right? So I mean, you're going to get to see them beat the hell out of good team or terrible teams. Good. For, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but the women play Fort Hayes State, and I'm really looking forward mm, to that. That might be a single-digit game. Single-digit watch? Oh, God, Ooh. I really hope so. It's going to happen, and I want it to happen. I, so I really wanted it to happen before we left the American. I know. <laughs> it came close a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was Fort Hayes the D2 champion last year? <laughs> Fort Hayes oh, was uh, actually... I, I don't know. I, I, they usually play one of the lower division champions. They were actually the runner-up in the American last year? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. So... Uh, First four games, Central, Coppin State, LIU, Binghamton. At Russ, any of those interesting at all other than Coppin State from a, we might see Amita Bryman score 40 points perspective? Yeah, I mean, Coppin State from that perspective, I guess it's Central in that it's nice to give Patrick Sellers a game to start his career. Yeah, shout Patrick Sellers. Yeah, shout, shout. Patrick Sellers. That's what he other needs, getting that. his ass kicked his first game. It's right other than passage. that, the only other exciting kind of exciting thing i guess is that liu has really cool jerseys hmm. 
They're the sharks, right? They're the sharks now. They were the blackbirds. They're now the sharks, and they've got like this cool like blue thing going on. So then after that, they go to the Bahamas, where they start with Auburn. You Auburn's guys... going to be a fun test because they are projected to be right around as good as UConn is, and I believe they also have a really strong front court. So that's going to be a good test. I think good test. I'm not sure about fun test. I think that might be okay. an excruciating oh, yeah. okay. game. Good test. Excruciating test. I find most of the Bahamas games excruciating. There's something really weird yeah, about them never playing in that Butler. like yeah, in that little like ballroom. Yeah. Like the the one good moment we had there was boat making those three free throws. Oh, that was Bahamas? Yeah. That tournament, that tournament sucked. That tournament does suck. But we lost to Syracuse there. We lost to Gonzaga there. We beat Michigan though, right? We did beat Michigan, yes. Did, yeah. Lost to NC State, I think, that one year. Was it NC State or no, it was UCF. UCF. We lost to UCF there. It's also like a weird like because the games are always around Thanksgiving. Like mm-hmm. I just find them hard to watch. Like there's always things happening or like yeah. people visiting or family in town. We have game on Thanksgiving, semifinal game. Yeah, that's brutal. Second round. It's good. That'll give me a every game should start myself. after my children are asleep. That's should be the law. I'm sick and tired of Joe Manchin holding up. <laughs> holding up the Tyler's Children Act That's right. 2021. Fuck you, Joe Manchin. Is Michigan State any good this year? Or are we going to end up playing Loyola? We're better than Michigan State. What about Loyola? We should be better than Loyola. We better be better than Loyola. But Loyola was really fucking good last year. Yeah, they, but they, they lost a really good guy. You guys yeah. They lost Crutwig, right? Yeah. I don't remember who else is coach. in the who, who's on the other side of that uh, Syracuse bracket, it's or like Oregon, Syracuse, Arizona State. Oh, that'd be fun. Oh. Yeah, I oh, know. I'm, I'm looking at the women's bracket. Yeah, oh, Arizona. It's Arizona State, VCU, Baylor. Oh yeah, oh. and Syracuse. VCU is gonna suck. They've lost, I think, three players since practice began to ACL injuries. <laughs> Jesus, yikes! It's been awful. I guess there's not really much else in the terms of the non-conference slate after West that. West Virginia. Yeah, other than, so it's Maryland, East Shore, Grambling, uh, Grambling State, and then West Virginia, and then... And then Bonna. St. Right. Bonaventure. I mean, West the Virginia. St. Bonaventure game's going to be good. At West Virginia is going to be brutal. Yeah, that game's going to that suck. One. That's one that hope we win in the 60s, I guess. Yeah, if we win, it'll be awesome. Honestly, well, if we could split Bonna and West Virginia, I'll be thrilled. Um, I wouldn't be too worried if they end up losing two out of three in the Bahamas. I mean, that would suck. Mm-hmm. But I'll be sad. I, I would be sad too. But that's a stacked field, and you have to figure that one win will end up being against a quality team, like even if it's Auburn or Loyola. Um, and then the two losses really aren't going to hurt you. And so you get a quality win there. You get one of Bana and West Virginia, and then you get twenty games in the Big East. I think we'll be fine. It would be really nice to have two losses or less when they get to conference play. I would like, I would that. like that. Could happen. It could. It's possible. One I mean, thing there's I no do... game that we can't win. At least we'll have a pretty good idea, I think, if this team is any good or not by the time they get to conference play. Or at least yeah. I think we'll have a pretty good idea of what this team is. For sure. If we beat all the bad teams by 20 points and then we're, you know, 
If we only beat Central by 20, I'm going to be worried. <laughs> At least yeah. 20. Yeah. Um, and then we're, you know, in every game and winning most of them against the other, the other four or five good teams. So assume we go three and two in those games and we win the, win the rest by enough that we're satisfied. We beat the nerd the spread. Conference play. And we're probably yeah. ranked going into the Big East Open. What do we think that team's ceiling is at that point? National champion. Hell yeah. I, I mean, honestly, Final Four is not, you know, with some luck, I would it's say. not crazy. Yeah. Like they're projected crazy. to be like a five or six seed. I would like, say if they were that good at that point, I would be happy with anything Sweet 16 or more. Let's be clear. <laughs> I think UConn will make the tournament this year, mm-hmm. obviously. And when they do, I will choose them to, I will pick them to win the national championship in any and all brackets I do. As you are I legally bound. Right. As God Unlike intended. Russ, the right. traitor. As it stands right now, heading, have a head in, in a heart bracket. <laughs> heading into the season, Which... I think I would predict tournament appearance and first round win. Like that would probably Honestly, be where I think that would that's, probably be my guess. That's the I, minimum that I would I, be happy yeah. with. Same. That's, yeah, same. Minimum. I want second weekend. So hell yeah. I do too. But if, if if they win a game in the tournament, I I won't lose sleep over it. That's that's, that's progress. Like, yeah, like I if guess, they get a bad second round draw and they like play a really good team to the final minute, you know, totally. and lose the game, I'm not gonna cry about it. But I if they suck if and lose while scoring fifty four points in the second round loss, then I'll probably be mad. <laughs> I I want to win the Big East tournament this year, though. That would that would satisfy. That's me. what I want. That would, that would rule. Bring me a trophy, Danny. Bring it to me. Bring I mean, last last trophy. Last year was so unsatisfying because we lost every game we played against Nova and Creighton, and we didn't win a tournament game, and you know we beat DePaul in the Big East tournament, and then nobody else. Yeah, we didn't like, win any like really important games last right. year. Yeah, I wanna, that's kind of I, the next step for this. I want to beat someone good. I want to win a bunch of games against good teams. I want to at least get to the Big East final. Like I think like third is the minimum expectation for where I want this team to finish in the Big East. Mm-hmm. Second, I feel like... There, there's no reason this shouldn't second. be the second best team in the Big East. Oh, I, I, I agree. I'm just saying like at least finish right. better than yeah. you did last year when mm-hmm. you were... Would we tie for third? Or like virtual tie i don't even remember no we finished there like I mean, going yeah. by winning percentage which is the rule we finished there which is good <laughs> enough for me technically finished third. right let's let's really finish at least third it's important preferably to remember second, that preferably first i predicted that we would finish third in the league and that providence would eat shit I, you know what fuck villanova let's win the big opinion in this group fuck villanova let's win right, the big fuck them fuck them Really I want. Wise. We need to be Villanova this year, one time. We need to be Villanova. And if that one time is Saturday night at Madison Square Garden, so be yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I'd be cool with that. Yep, be pretty happy about that. Yeah, especially if we like lose two regular season games and then win the Big East championship against them, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, I'll dig it." Not only did we technically finish in third, we clearly were the third best team. But yeah, that too. We were eleven oh, yeah. and six, and the third, the app behind us, St. John's and Seton Hall, were ten and nine. Right, we were definitely better than those teams. And by the end of the season, Seton Hall was dog shit. There's just a few players we didn't really talk about much. I'm curious your thoughts on uh, Matt Gary, starting with uh, Diggins. What do you expect from Diggins this year? I don't know. 
I feel like, you know, he's highly ranked enough that I, I guess he should be a rotation guy. Yeah. But I just sort of yeah. was expecting that, like, he's probably not going to play a ton. But I guess he could. Between him and Floyd, one of those guys should probably play, you know, at least double-digit minutes. You know, who else? It, it's hard. Is one of the, you need one of those guys to be the backup point guard? Or can Jackson play enough point guard that you don't really need to do that? I don't know. Also, highly much, dependent on how good Gaffney is. Mm. That's how, much, how much are we going to see Jackson at point guard? I don't know. Highly dependent on how good Gaffney is. Yeah, that's it's, this is true. this is the thing. There's like right. so many pieces that that could fit in so many ways. Like, yeah, maybe Gaffney comes back and he can run the offense. I kind of doubt it, but it's possible. If things break right with the backcourt here, do they have the potential to be a top four or five backcourt in this conference? Of well, course. Okay. Yeah. If, if there's a weakness on this team, um, it, that's where it is, which we never say. So, like, this is weird. So I'm just having a hard time kind of gauging what our expectation should be. I don't know that it's a weakness so much as it's kind of an unusual array of players. It's not like these right. aren't good players. It's just right. They, they're not the prototypical players in those worlds. We're, it's kind of like 06 where – we're playing very big. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and like those those guys have kind of, I mean, you know, Tyrese Martin at the two feels very much like Denim Brown at the two. Yeah, Andre Jackson at the three feels a lot like Rudy Gay at the three, and then that sort of rotation of bigs, kind of, you think about, you know, Boone Armstrong, Adrian. Like this is a very similar setup to that team. I don't think this team will be as good as that team, obviously, but. It does Maybe. feel like, but if they have 2006 healthy AJ Price, that might make up for some some. Debate. And maybe you know, maybe that's Diggins, or maybe that's Gaffney, or maybe that's. Does our best case scenario involve Martin playing 30 minutes a game? Yeah, it depends on what Martin does. Let's just, let's just, let's assume best case. Yeah, right, I mean, he's definitely he's one of the better, maybe a five little best bit players. Better. If he's a little bit better the next year, is our best case scenario him playing 30 minutes? Of 30 Assuming minutes. everybody else is also a little bit better next year, yes. But if, if everybody Gaffney and Jackson both get a lot better, then no. If Hawkins comes in and he's awesome, then no. I feel like Martin's underrated at this point. Well, somebody just said he was going to be first team all oh, year. Yeah. Maybe he's underrated <laughs> yeah, here. Weird. But he does a lot of things well. He, he, he can so be well. first team all week. He could be if he's more consistent. That's the thing. If he's it, scoring 15 a game, he's going to be an awfully good player. Yes. What was he last year? Like 11. 12? I think he was at 11. Like 11 and 7. It was like a very weird 11, though. Yeah, he kind of yeah. went ice cold down the yeah. stretch. But that's, so that's the thing. If he's hit 15 a game, he's not going ice cold down the stretch. Or... He was really fucking good before that. If you also, get 15 and 7 or 15, even 15 and 6 from your two guard, you know, assuming improved shooting, like, yeah, that's a that's a really good player. He's a good defender. Sure. And he's going to you're going to get a lot of mismatches with a guy that size because he's quick, too. He's he's not slow for, you know, a guard. You, you know, what helps bring your shooting percentage up is making some fucking layups. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, that, I would ideas intrigue me. Though he did mostly down the second half of the season. He just was insanely bad at it for the first half. 
he ended up being 54% at the rim, which is not good. But... <laughs> it sounds bad. It's not very yeah, good. Yeah, but he was at like 46 right. at one point. Yeah, like that, that's way better than it was in like late Which January. means he probably was like 60% the rest of the way. If he's 60% for the season from the rim, great. Is it though? Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, what about Springs? You guys expecting anything at all from Springs? A transfer after the uh, fall semester? I don't think he's going to tra- – if he was going to transfer, he'd have transferred. Yeah, he would have done it already. Right. Right. Yeah. I think he – Springs was the guy who said, you know, I'm a marginal high major talent and UConn's offering me a scholarship. I can go play in like a serious high major program and we'll see what happens. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he – maybe practicing against we players call that like that. We call that path. Or, or the Hilton Maybe. Armstrong path. Like, yeah. I mean, it just is going to take him a little longer because he's not there yet. But maybe he turns out to be you know, a useful player his last couple of seasons. Because keep in mind, he's still going to be a freshman this year. Do he you, can stick around. Where do you guys think Johnson and Springs are on the depth chart? From like, what I've read, Johnson is pushing a cook. I mean, he if a cook falters, Johnson's going to play. If that's the case, then I'm really excited to see Johnson. I feel like he's the guy that we've heard the most about in the preseason. Johnson? He, like, it sounds like he's really good. I remember watching him. Would you say he he's UConn's a, next Mr. Big Shot? Shut up. <laughs> shut uh, up. Sorry, but I remember watching saying. him when he was still in high school because he was playing with Sonogo, and, and we had just gotten Sonogo, and being like, huh, this guy looks pretty good. And then, like, so you start hearing his name, and he just has been rising since then. And now it's like maybe he's an impact guy right away. I don't know. Like he, that would he's super athletic. He has a ton of different skills. Like if he comes in and with any any polish, like I guess I just was assuming like, you know, a meteoric rise like that that that's very you know, uh, potential based. Like he's gonna come in. He's still gonna be a little raw. But if they're saying like he's hitting his shots, you know, he's he's got touch around the rim. Like I don't know. Maybe maybe he plays. Maybe he'll be awesome. Sounds to me that he's not a four-year player. Yeah, I think that's the case. I think that's probably the case with most of this year's freshman class. Diggins, maybe. Hawkins, almost certainly not. If Hawkins is a four-year player, something has gone wrong. And Johnson, I, I, I think probably the same. Floyd, five-year player. You know, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Floyd. Sounded like Floyd was doing really well uh, on the summer circuit. He's exceeded expectations yeah. everywhere he's gone. So I, I I hesitate. You know, people say, oh, he's probably not going to be a, a big time scorer, like, or maybe he's Vital, but bigger. God, I would love it if he was Vital. I feel like this team could really but bigger. Use <laughs> I know. What's Vital like, doing? I miss him. Christian Vital, come right about football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could come right about field hockey. Like that'd be yeah, he can write about anything. He can he write wants. about whatever he wants. We'll give him an NIL deal. Listen, if he wants to do food reviews, he can do what he can do whatever he wants. I would yep. read the fuck out of a Chris <laughs> if I tell food review. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. Val Ackerman, Val Ackerman today implied yeah, that's a good boy. that with the <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Right there, do, we need, do we need a minute to look at this dog? This is a good dog. It's a very it's a great dog. dog. His name is Oliver. 
So Val Ackerman today implied that the Big East would be interested in potentially expanding uh, as we enter a new television deal. And also noted that geography wouldn't necessarily be a disqualifying factor, which I have to think is a reference to Gonzaga, the best non-power conference basketball program in America, which would, that would be pretty fun. Better than Kansas? Kansas is not. Kansas is not coming. That was more of a Big Twelve joke. I got it. Realistically, Gonzaga is the only school I would want to see join the Big East. I don't think there is anybody else that would actually make that move that would raise the profile of the league enough to make it worth it. Yeah. Not Dayton, St. Louis, VCU, none of that shit. Memphis, UMass, Memphis, Lowell. Fort Hayes State, Fort Hayes State, Wichita. I would take Fort Hayes State before Tulsa, though. Hell yeah, dude. I don't know. That Fort Hayes market is uh what's tough. The, what state is that? Kansas. It could be any. What state is Tulsa? It could be any. Kansas. Kansas, okay. Louisiana, I think. South Dakota. How would that logistically work? Is it is it feasible to play? Not our problem. That's the thing. Is It's one shitty long trip a year for a huge game that we would love to have on the schedule. Yeah, I'll take I will take that. As Yukon, I want this to happen. So yeah, a Gonzaga I, fan, I don't know. Okay, first of all, Gonzaga, not Gonzaga. Mm-mm. I will say Gonzaga until Xavier. the day I die. Okay. You can't make me. Uh, if you add Gonzaga, that brings the conference to 12 teams. It means you don't have a double round robin anymore. So there's one team that you don't play at home, one team that you don't play on the road. So I hope they're both DePaul. Well, <laughs> so every year there would be an East Coast team that doesn't get Gonzaga coming in and probably an East Coast team that doesn't go to Spokane. So you save on one trip there, and then you would probably try to schedule their games at like Seton Hall and St. John's back-to-back, and you would probably make it so they only have to make two maybe cross-country trips. You send them Seton Hall, St. John's back-to-back, back and like Providence Villanova or something like that. And then they skip Georgetown where they when skip. When do they us. go to you They don't have to go to you. Fuck it. We'll go there. We beat them I don't there. feel like this math works though. Well, I mean, it depends on, it depends on the money, right? Like if, yes. if, Fox, if Fox is willing to say, Hey, we'll give the bees $8 million a year instead of five or more than that. Well, uh, if you also, get Gonzaga, that's, pro- that's almost certainly worth it to them. And it's mm-hmm. definitely worth it to us. And, and I don't think the big worry is men's and women's basketball anyway. The because they'll fucking go anywhere. I think the worry is sending your volleyball, soccer, softball, whatever teams. I, I and you'd have to turn it into it. a West Coast trip every year. Like you'd have to right. put other games on the schedule to make it worthwhile. Which isn't terrible if you're a volleyball team or a baseball team to like play a couple of games in California while you're out. Well, that's there. the thing. You could start conference play early. You could like play Gonzaga and you know uh, yeah. in baseball and then play like Fullerton or Fresno or something like that. Take a trip down the coast and make yeah. it worth it. Same story for volleyball. There's a lot of great West Coast teams in volleyball. You know, there's good soccer teams on the West Coast. Like, there are teams to play. You just have to, you'd have to be, make it, you know, useful for everybody to fly across the country once a year. But, like, again, it's once a year. 
and you just kind of have to figure out how to work that into your, you know, non-conference right. schedule. It's once a year for all of our teams. It's sure. many times a year. That's, that's a them problem. Gonzaga is an athletic department. That's a them and if problem. they find it's worth it, then great. And the fact that BYU is leaving the West Coast Conference makes it maybe a little bit more likely. Now, I don't know, and Peter, because you're the like conference realignment guy, maybe you know. I don't know why the Mountain West has not invited Gonzaga yet. Yeah, that's the one thing I keep I keep coming up against with this because – Obviously, I'd love to see the move, but it just doesn't make sense to me if I'm Gonzaga that I'm going to go to the Big East rather than the Mountain West. And right. why wouldn't the Mountain West want them? That, I mean, you've that's already what got, I don't understand. You've already got a, a football-only school. Slide Gonzaga into that spot, and that's like a, you know, imagine a school that has Hawaii football and Gonzaga basketball. That would be certainly a team you wouldn't want in the Mountain West. And, and the Mountain West in basketball, like they're not great. They'll maybe be a, a multi. San Diego State's better than anybody else in the West Coast Conference, yes. certainly. And, and also, more than half the teams in that conference in a given year, you could imagine making the NCAA tournament. Yeah, UNLV, New UNLV, Mexico, San Diego State, Boise New Mexico, State. Boise, Colorado State, not Nevada. Well, I th- I I would suspect it's kind of a timing thing because. They were probably happy being like the alpha in the West Coast Conference, and it was a decent league with BYU, St. Mary's, a team, a league capable of getting two teams into the tournament, not killing their RPI. Now that's gone, and now, you know, if it comes down to the Mountain West inviting them tomorrow, or them maybe holding out for a Big East invite, you're talking about six, seven million, maybe more dollars coming their way to go to the Big right. East. So I, I, th- I think probably they were happy enough in the in the WCC to not really consider making a move for kind of a not a huge bump in pay. And, and the other thing is Gonzaga, Mark Few is basically the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. <laughs> like you laugh, but there's a reason why in men's basketball they only play 14 conference games. They play 16. Or 16, sorry. Okay. Like they wanted to go to 18. And they only play 16 because of Gonzaga. But Gonzaga always played BYU and St. Mary's twice mm-hmm. every year. And it's, I mean, it's exactly like you, the UConn women in the American. Like, they never went up to 18 when the men did. Right. So that UConn wouldn't have to fucking deal with that shit. I just feel like the money would have to be unbelievable for this to actually work. Because everyone has to commit. Gonzaga and... Did I pronounce it right? Every, Gonzaga. All the Big East teams ah. all have to commit to jumping through huge logistical hurdles. And I guess it's going to depend, too, on how much Fox wants it. Because that's the real question here is how valuable is the Big East to mm-hmm. Fox and how much more valuable is the Big East to Fox if it has Gonzaga? You know, if you look at the the TV contract that they got, you know, they're just finishing up now. Like, I think we all assume it's going to be better, you know, given given that it turns out that it is, you know, the, the new Big East is a really good conference and now has become even better, you know, with the addition of UConn that they're going to get more money than they did well, before. Here, here's what I'm thinking of if I'm Fox and I'm looking at this from a men's basketball perspective. You have your handful of games that are on Fox Banquet every year. Mm-hmm. And really the only ones capable of drawing a strong national audience involve Yukon, Villanova and Georgetown, Georgetown. and Georgetown. Mm-hmm. 
It's those three. If you add Gonzaga, that is a fourth. And I think that makes a big difference because right now, if you look at like UConn's schedule this year, don't they play like Seton Hall on Big Fox? I think so, yeah. Like you could get rid of that shit. No one's tuning in to see Seton Hall. So I I think that makes a difference. Well, yeah, of course you are. And and then Mm -hmm. when you look at at the women's basketball side, Gonzaga immediately becomes the second best program in the conference. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 I mean, obviously from the women's basketball side, this would be awesome. Yeah. This would be a huge addition. Which also fuck DePaul because I feel like DePaul is to the big East now as USF was to the American. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, Fox has shown that they're willing to invest in women's basketball. Like they put UConn yeah. on big Fox. So big box. They, you have to assume that they would love to put UConn Gonzaga on big Fox as well. I think they totally. The, were. I think the UConn women are the super bowl Sunday programming counter programming on Fox this year. We'll definitely be watching that basketball game. Oh no. I'm going to watch four hours of, pre-game dog shit with the dumbest motherfuckers on earth that sounds awesome on tv uh do we want to discuss football coaches sure yes uconn should bring back any coach that replies to my text messages that's my official stance bob diaco yep no morehead no morehead thinking we should uh we should kick the tires on randy etzel because he's he's won here before we're we are one coach away from Randy Edsel. Got to give someone else a chance first, and then Edsel comes back into the rotation. Please respect the process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Moorhead would be the my first choice. I mean, if you're gonna go for a guy who with experience at UConn, who's not a you know assist lifelong assistant, that's the guy. How realistic also, do you think that is? Hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of guys like that who could be up for a head coach job if they want one. Bill O'Brien's another one. Uh, the Kentucky guy from Rhode Island would be another one. So, you know, I'd like to think there's only that, one Kentucky guy from Rhode Island, like person in Kentucky from Rhode Island. There's a, the, Kentucky's offensive coordinator is one. from Rhode Island. I can't remember his name. It might just be him. Maybe. Thank you. Like, that might be uh, enough. That could be the identifier. Anyway, there's enough of those guys that hopefully we can get one of those kinds of guys. I was talking to a national football writer today who brought up the point that he is far more interested in the pool that this new coach is given to hire a staff Same. than who it is that they actually bring in as a head coach. Because the, with the schedule, the facilities the exposure, the job. I mean, it's not a great, the UConn job's not a great job in football, but it's good enough that you can get somebody capable of winning. The question is, is UConn willing to give him the resources necessary to succeed? And what does that look like in your mind? What's how big does that pool need to be? 3 million? Yeah. Yeah. I, I million, think so. 2 million for a head coach, 3 million for assistance. Yeah. I think that's in that's the range. Okay. I think they're at like 4.1 right now is the total pool. Right. 4.4. That's, 4.4. That's how, what Edsel um, making about 1.7. Well, how feasible yeah. do you think it is that Randy Etzel might continue to pay some of the future assistants? Is that an option? I mean, that would help. It would be the least he could do. Yeah. He didn't I do like, shit for however many years. He could pay Corey. 
Come on, we need, give them an allowance. I'd really like to see them spend a million dollars on coordinators. I thought you were going to say on Corey Etzel. <laughs> no. On the coordinator. No? All right. I liked it. He's maybe the one guy, if they decide to hang on to, that wouldn't be a terrible idea. Because he's probably pretty cheap. And he seems like he can recruit. And there are probably some kids who would stay if he was still. Yeah, he'll play for wardrobe. Yeah. Like, maybe, the, maybe the only one. Sign an I also NIL like deal. the defensive line coach, who also was one of the recruiting coordinators, so that might be useful since he's probably n- talked to a lot of these players. Let me I'm just checking my I, phone real quick. No, he hasn't. No, I'm sorry. He hasn't responded to my text. He can't, he can't stay. Well, termination letter was justified. But yeah, pretty much I think I'm fine with everybody else being gone at this point. Yale's not that good. We should, we, I mean, we should win that. There, we should win that game. There's no. I mean, we should no, have we beaten should've. Holy Cross. We should have beaten UMass. Yeah. To be honest, we should have beaten Wyoming. And if, Vanderbilt. Yes. If we if, should have five wins. This should be a five win team. If we have a head coach on the sideline and our best lineman in the game, I feel pretty good about it. Just I, I just I just don't want us to go 0 and twelve. I, I and this is same. this is our last chance. Yeah, you might want to brace <laughs> there's, yourself. There's no off ramp from 0 and twelve after this weekend. What about yeah. Middle Tennessee? Can we no, maybe no absolutely not. Okay. What about Clemson? <laughs> I think you're all losing sight of the most important uh, aspect of the season, which is I believe I'm five and two betting against UConn so far. <laughs> I stopped betting against UConn once they fucked me twice in the same game. That's how they get you. That's how they get me. Do you, you want to record coaches? the actual end of the podcast before we? Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Dimeback podcast for Tyler and Kevin and Peter and Megan. I'm Russ. Uh, I don't know what Tyler says to end this because I never the end. Have a good one. Bye, bitch. Bye.